All right, well, today uh, I have the privilege of introducing uh, to some of you for the first time and uh, and bringing back onto the platform, on uh, this, you've been around, you're no stranger to LifeHouse, uh, and for some of you, you recognize Juan Allen, you've been on trips uh, where Juan Allen has led, uh, but for some of you, we have 21 newcomers coming to our newcomers reception. This is the first time you've ever met Juan Allen. You've heard me talk about him. You've heard Pastor Jay talk about him. Uh, but he exists. He's real. He's like a, he's like a human being uh, with a pretty amazing beard. I, I tried, but I couldn't get it fast enough. I've been working on this for about three months. Um, Juan Allen heads up uh, Medical Ministry International in Colombia. Uh, he also works for the international, uh, MMI International, as kind of a regional guy that goes around and helps the different countries as they are getting their ministries healthy. He's really set in Colombia the model for what MMI wants to do in all of their countries. And, uh, and beyond that, he's just my friend. And I want to I thought it'd be fun for those of you who don't know Juan Allen to get to know him a little bit and get to know what uh, the ministry that he's involved in. And, uh, and then I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about mine and Juan Allen's story because we talk about him and it could, if we're not careful, um, could seem as though this is just some sort of a nonprofit partnership that we've you know, connected to or something along those lines. When in reality, this was birthed out of relationship. This was birthed out of a connection that one Allen and I made back in 2009. And uh, I was uh, going around and looking for, you know, where we were going to get connected in our missions effort as a church. And many of you know Carlos Garzon and Maria Nez Garzon. In fact, Maria Nez, I believe, uh, is translating for us today. Uh, Maria ne- uh, Carlos and Maria Nez are from Colombia, and Carlos uh, invited us to come down and go to an eye project. An eye project like that's happening here coming up in January, which if you're on the fence of, just get off the fence and go. It's going to be an amazing time. Um, but we came to this eye project. Uh, I came with a couple people from the church. That's right. And we sat uh, at a steak restaurant, right? That's right, yeah. In Cartagena. And uh, it was the worst time in one Allen's life. That is totally right. Yep. And, uh, and by the way, the worst project that he ever put on, right? The That's, worst one. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and I was in an interesting season in the life of our church because... We were just two years into a, a very radical transition uh, in the life of our church. And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure that I was the right person for this. I wasn't sure I, w- I um, was called to do this necessarily. I began to start questioning my calling. And uh, right there in Cartagena in 2009, I sat down with Juan Allen and we started to commiserate about our ministries about our lives, and it was really depressing. Um, but out of that came an amazing relationship. And share a little bit with us, Juan Allen, about why it was such a difficult time in your life. Okay, yes, it was a difficult time. Mm, it was a worst project. 
MMI after that project said, we're not coming back to Colombia. And I said, I don't care. Because I was like so frustrated as well. Why was I in that difficult situation? Because um, that year, uh, my wife left. So I was born in a Christian home. My parents are missionaries. like They were missionaries for 40 years in the jungle. I served in the church. And I was the type of people that would think, that doesn't happen to me. That, that those things only happen to other people. And when it happened to me, I was upside down. I, was, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a north. I didn't have even a south. Not even digging down under. I, I was just totally lost. That was my situation in that moment. Yeah, and you know, this series that we're in is uh, called Perspective, that we're, we're changing our perspective uh, in different things and uh, having an eternal perspective and uh, a different perspective in how we serve one another. But uh, today we're talking about uh, a different perspective in how we see people. And uh, I, I want to just begin by giving you uh, a passage of scripture that comes from Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read from the message paraphrase, and, uh, and I'm using the message paraphrase uh, quite a bit today. And, and some of that's just because I, I really like the poignancy with which it brings to us uh, the scripture. Uh, and I just I want to clarify that the message is a paraphrase. It takes a lot of uh, liberties in the message in how it communicates the scripture. But I want to read Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And it says, you're here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your use- usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Thanks a lot, Eugene Peterson. We'll end up in the garbage. Another way to put it, he says, is you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. You're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to, uh, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket. Uh, you don't think you're, I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, he says, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And as I was thinking about what we would be discussing and talking about this morning, I I was reminded of that passage of Scripture because both... Juan Allen and I were in a situation where our perspective was pretty limited and pretty clouded by our current circumstances. We needed a change in perspective. We needed a change in in how we saw people and saw our ministries and life. And uh, and for all of us, as we go through uh, this season of really kind of crazy season of coming out of 2020 and into 2021 and uh, and the cultural landscape that's taking place, my guess is that for all of us, we need a little bit of a shift of perspective in how we see people. Uh, John Maxwell made it, is pretty famous for saying this, but he says, we make changes, and I would just kind of change that to we shift our perspective when we hurt enough that we have to, when we see enough that we're inspired to, 
when we learn enough that we want to and we receive enough that we are able to. And for most of us, if we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, and uh, I think in your case, it was uh, a situation where your perspective had to shift and it hurt enough that you had to, right? That's right. Um, I was remembering that how did all that perspective start to change? It, and how it all ties into Lifehouse, how it all ties into to real love. Um, the very first time we met, you hardly said hello, you just passed by. I was at... Uh, These people know that. <laughs> yeah. We were at the, the Razio's home, and I was staying with him, and, and he prayed for all. He prayed for you first, I suppose, because you were the pastor. And he prayed for me last. And I remember distinctly that he said, Juan, your faith is going to be shaken. You're going to go through a horrible time, but your faith will help you prevail. And I said, that's not for me. I didn't want to change perspective. I, didn't, I was comfortable where I was, and I didn't want to change. And the whole plane going back, I was saying, Lord, I reject those words. They weren't <laughs> wise. I don't know who he is. I don't receive that. <laughs> the whole plane ride. Two weeks later, my wife left. And I started to remember those words, that prophecy moment, that perspective changing moment, and how those simple words, I said, okay, if faith is going to hold me through, in one week time, two weeks, my, my wife is back. Didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so for us, how do we be salt and light? I, I want I want want Alan to share a little bit. I've got a, a few points that I think are important for us in how we approach and shift our perspective to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, in each of these, I'm going to have Juan Allen share a little bit uh, about how his perspective has changed, how it's affected his ministry, and how he sees people. The first is this, is that we value people, and when we value people, people, there's a connection that's made. There's a connection that's made with people. And I, I want to read to you Matthew 25, 35 through 40. It says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. So Ron and Alan, tell me a little bit about uh, how it affected your life in valuing people that maybe were a little bit overlooked. Yes, that's interesting because the first person that needed to change to be able to value other people was myself because I couldn't value people. I thought uh, I had been working. I, as I said, I was born in a Christian home, served in the church. I thought I knew my Bible well. I thought I didn't need change. I thought I didn't need the change of perspective. So the first person that needed really to be dealt with, to be able to connect with people, was myself. And that's what God did. He shook my life. And where did he start to, 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 to change so that I could connect? It was one Sunday that, that I came to this church in the meeting. 
And I will always remember that moment because Kelly was leading worship and this song stuck out and she, she ministered that song. And it basically says, it was saying, in the chaos, in the confusion. That was my perspective. And I would add to that shame because I had a lot of shame because a pastor's son, my father in the country is well known, a missionary. So like having a separation or a divorce on your back, that brings a lot of shame. So that was my moment. Um, in the chaos and confusion, I know you are sovereign still. In the moment of my weakness, you give me grace to do your will. And then she sang, there is no one else for me, none but Jesus. Crucified, crucified to set me free. Now I live to bring him praise. So the first person that needed to change to be able to connect, to be able to connect with all of you was me. For what? So that real love could bring him praise. That's good. The second thing that happens is when we value people and when we see people, we begin to add value to them. And when we add value to them, we have influence in their lives. We begin to influence them for things of the kingdom. We, we either going to influence people for good, we're going to influence people for evil. The hope is that when we bring value and we as Christ followers are, are pressing into our relationship with God, we are bringing a value to them that is a place of hope, it's a place of freedom, that there's something transformative that can take place in their life. And, uh, and Juan Allen, you bring a lot of value to people in your ministry. Yes. Um, first of all, as I said, real love brings value to our own life. Then it brings value to the people that live beside us. Um, fortunately, I was able to marry again. God blessed my life with a, with a really nice, beautiful wife, Leonor. And She's watching, so you better say that. Yes, I, was, I wrote that down here so, <laughs> I <wouldn't> re- <laughs> so I wouldn't forget. Yeah, that gives me points when I get back. Um, when I met her, I asked her, uh, are you a Christian? And she said, well... Um, and I said, have you gone to a church? And she said, well, uh, I went to a church and I lifted my hand up to receive Jesus. That will do. No problem. <laughs> we, can be, we can date. So from there we started. And real love has influenced her to the point that sometimes I think she's a better Christian than I am. She has, as she says in her own words, because she's, not, she's from a Catholic background. She's not like in a traditional Christian background. So she has like, she thinks different. She says, I think I have very good Wi-Fi with God. That's, she calls Wi-Fi with God her prayer life. And like for this last, she's now leading the projects. And she's going to places that, like the last place she was telling me, of all the circumstances, security issues and things like that, and she says, Juan, I'm not sure that I should go. But one Sunday, she saw a vision during, the, during church service that in that village hall, the, it was dark, then suddenly the lights of these homes would start to light up and that light up would go to heaven. And she said, I think the Lord's speaking to me to, to, go, to really go to that village. And I'm like, Lord, when am I going to have a, a, a vision like that? <laughs> so it does influence. It influences the people that are around us. Then it influences the team. We have a team that goes out and serves and shows real love to the indigenous. It, it impacts the government, 
we be, we've been able to bless the mayor of Leticia, the governor of Leticia, the Curacas. The Curacas are like the indigenous leaders of, of each village. Um, and and we've, we've, we've been able to influence even organizations, hear this, even organizations like the United Nations. You know what? The first thing that they do when they arrive to the Amazon, to Leticia, they call us. They call MMI, they call my wife and me, and they sit with us and they say, Juan and Leonor, what can we do here? Where do you want us to go? Where is the need? So real love influences even agencies that other people call like bad ones, I don't know, but over there, we're influencing with real love. Mm, that's good. What are, um, so for those who, uh, MMI Columbia is new to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about what a real love uh, relief run is and the, the ministry that takes place on the Amazon. Okay, so when the pandemic started, uh, we, were, we thought that that year, 2020, was going to be our best year. Then, as we all know, the pandemic... I think we all thought 2020 was going to be our best yes. year. But it ended up being it. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it ended up being it. And I remember the first thing that we did was, okay, we got all our inventory, a few boxes, and we gave that to the local hospital and to another clinic. And I said, okay, this is all what we have. I think we're going into lockdown. We won't be able to, to, to serve anymore. And on the contrary. I remember distinctly that here in the church, you started the series on Psalm 91, and then Daniel, and I said, Lord, I want to be able to influence. I don't want to just stay here. I want to, to be able to, to go out to the river and not be here in the lockdown. And that's where we started the Real Love Relief Runs. How did it start? I went to meet with the Secretary of Health. She could go take teams to do the COVID tests. So I said, we'll go on the boats that people here have generously helped us to have. So can you imagine that a few years ago, how you helped to have those boats impacted a community we were able to go out in those boats take teams to 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 do the COVID tests then from that uh, we started to take food baskets that this church helped us to buy food baskets and medicines we started to take them to to the pastors to the villages then after that uh, another organization called us and I think it's because we were faithful in showing real love they entrusted us with the purpose of distributing food baskets. The team was able to show real love, distributing 320 tons of food in wow. 20 villages to 552 awesome. families. And you know what? what's even more awesome is that we were able to share real love. Before giving out the food baskets, we would have like different stations. So the people would go to station one where we did the biosecurity. Then they would go to station two where we shared the gospel. And my wife interacted with them. And what happens when we do real love? That the, we start to peel what is, what is like on the on top. And we started to really know what's happening in the community. They started to share with us their real troubles. Because the Amundsen on the outside looks really nice. But when, you, when real love starts to peel, you start, you start to see there's drug trafficking, there's sexual abuse. And now because we're part of the family, they share those with us. 
and we can talk to that in there. So that's where the real love, re, real love relief run started. And during the pandemic, we did like almost 80 to 85 real love relief runs to the different villages. Awesome. First Corinthians 9 says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Well, when I think of what you and Leonor are doing with your team in the Amazon, that verse rings true, that you don't just talk about it, you want to be in on it. And you do whatever's necessary to bring the message of Jesus. And if that's food or it's medical care, whether they, it's a village of people who have never heard the gospel or if it's a village of people who maybe have a Catholic church in, in the uh, village, you still are going to bring the message of Jesus Christ into those. Yes, that's, that's completely right. And, and that's what real love does. It, it helps you to give that, because love casts away fear. So when there's love, you can really go and press in and bring transformation to these villages. Yeah, I think it's easy for us in our context, it's easy to hear Juan Allen talk about um, these people in villages who uh, are certainly with food insecurity through COVID and it, it just radically changed how they exchanged goods and all of those things. It's easy for us to hear this and be like, that's fantastic that Juan Allen could do that and uh, that MMI could be a part of that. But I wonder how many of us in our context have found ourselves through uh, kind of this continual polarization of our culture and this divisiveness that's taken place in our culture where we find ourselves um, with a perspective of people who think differently or uh, act differently than us really coming, uh, coming to a place of uh, I, I know this sounds a little harsh, but coming to a place of judgmentalism, coming to a place of kind of rejection where we, we don't even want to associate with people who think differently or act differently than us. And yet what I'm reminded of in this verse is that it doesn't really matter who people are. It doesn't matter how they think or act or vote or any of the, any of the polarizations that's taking place in our culture right now we are to be a people who sees them the way that Jesus sees them. We see people who are different than us, and we love them, and we extend to them real love. And when we do that, we have influence. If we limit our circles to just those people who think like us and act like us and behave like us, then we really don't have an influence in the broader culture. But when we begin to see people the way that Jesus sees people, our perspective shifts, and we begin to have influence in people's lives like really like never before. I remember this situation. Um, we had met with some agencies of the United Nations, and we were just talking, and one of these ladies said, no, I think I'm going to work with the hospital because they understand our 
what we need. I said, sure, no problem. Ten months later, she called us. Or she called me and she said, Juan, I haven't been able to, to get to an agreement with, with the hospital. And she said, Juan, I know you're a Christian organization, but would it be okay if we work with you? And I said, well, you know our conditions. We won't talk about abortion. We won't talk about other things. We will evangelize. We will do everything. If you're okay with that, we can work together. And she said, yes, we're okay with that. And that helped us to partner, to be able to go to like remote villages that we've never been there before. And I mean remote is, like for one instance, we had to go on the boats like for 30 hours to travel to get to those villages. The other villages that Leonor is going to, she has to charter a plane to be able to take a team there and to be able to show real love there. And I remember in one meeting, uh, it was in Jay, Pastor Jay had been on, on that project, and this girl found out that she was pregnant on, 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 on the project. So that was a huge thing. Uh, the family started to, to get really mad. We were able to go to that family, pray with them, just be with them. Now in that, with that family, they started a prayer group. And they're considering starting a church. So that's how, through Real Love, the medical projects, you affect people's lives. And the interesting thing was, we had a meeting with the, with the ladies of the United Nations. He said, one of them said, Juan, did you offer that girl uh, the opportunity to abort? And I said, no, we did not. We offered life. We offered her life. But by the Constitution, you have to uh, give that option. I don't care about the uh, Constitution. We don't care about the Constitution. We bring life. And the leader said, we understand that, and that's why we work with you guys, because you're strong in your beliefs. And we moved on to the, to the next project. So that's how we can influence. I think we have to stop thinking that the world can influence us. Right. And it's interesting, if we just stand in love, but firm, we can in, uh, in, um, change how people uh, react and how they receive the gospel. Love that. That uh, leads us to point number three, that when we live good values, we attract people. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that illustration, I was going to have you share that, is uh, there's a, a level of, of standards and values by which MMI lives by and they won't compromise that. And because they won't compromise it, they've actually attracted uh, contracts with organizations that don't share the same values as you. And yet they see something different in the faithfulness that you guys are to bring care to people. Uh, they only want to work with you. That's right. Uh, standing firm, but with love, always influenced. It, it's influenced, as I mentioned, my wife. She's, she's grown so strong in, in her faith with God. It influences the team. And I was mentioning this to Pastor Ryan yesterday. Sometimes non-Christians come and work with us. On this last project, uh, uh, one of the doctors was not a Christian. One of the dentists was not a Christian. But they were impacted. And the doctor said, I want to know more about God. I want to fix my relationship with him. So real love always impacts one of uh, Leonor's assistant, um, who takes care of all the finances that goes with her on the project, she, had, she arrived from the project two days ago and she had an offer 
to go and work with another company where she would win like two or three more times than with us. And she said no, because she said, I'm so happy going out to the villages, experiencing this. So that influence, it also attracts. And I suppose love is sticky, right? And, and you sort of just keep in there. Yeah, Second Corinthians says uh, in, in chapter two, it says, for we are the aroma of Christ, all right, among those who are being saved. That, that, that ought to be, we talk about this a lot at LifeHouse, that when we go out to live the, the rest of our life, when we live in the life circle that we're a part of, people ought to recognize something different in us. We shouldn't look like everyone else. We shouldn't look like the world, certainly. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. People ought to recognize that there's something different. Smell some, I mean, you know, in some cases, maybe not smell, but uh, they ought to, in in the Amazon, if you go to the Amazon, you will smell differently than uh, than normal. But uh, yeah, that there's this opportunity for you to be an influence and to attract people for the gospel. Yes, some team members start to smell because they don't bathe in the river, so... (laughs) Sometimes that affects, but no. Um, the interesting thing was, for example, in the 12th of October, where we set up camp with Pastor Jay, uh, we were able to, after each day of work, have time with the community, share with the community, and that created connections. And I was told that in another meeting, the, the leader of that, of that um, village uh, decided to follow Jesus. And when she's in her meetings, and maybe the public hospital wants to do something, she says, no, we only receive the evangelicals here. We don't want the state interfering. We just want the evangelical. They refer to us as the los evangelicos. And I'm glad because that means that we do make a difference in the way we act and the way we serve. And another, another community said to us, this is interesting, they said. You guys, every night... You work among us. You play with us. We've seen other teams, and they get drunk. They just go and drink and start to harass the the indigenous girls. And they notice that our teams, we don't do that. And I'm like thinking, well, that's interesting because we we just give it out to granted. But people are watching. When, When we're just doing simple things like just playing with them, we're showing real love, and we're impacting. That's good. When we share good values, we transform people's lives. Oh, yeah. And not us, of course, but, but the power and the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in their life transforms them. And it makes a difference. And people are coming to know Christ because of the, the shared value of who God is in your guys' life. Uh, tell us a little bit about that as we, as we kind of close up. It transforms. Right, we're on that point, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It transforms. Um, changed the perspective of my life it changed the perspective in marriage because when I married Leonor our intention was to be happy and marriage doesn't make you happy sometimes right and I don't what, know what you're talking about okay I, I suddenly marriage felt makes me happy I suddenly felt alone here <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I found out, or what we found out, is that when we have a purpose and we serve together, that makes us happy. And we've discovered that our purpose with Leonor is to serve the indigenous people of our region. 
And when we are in our tough moments, and by this I mean when we fight, yeah, when we quarrel, because we're Again, normal. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and it hits me hard, and sometimes I, she has her way of reacting, I have my way of reacting. But what sort of brings us together is that we have a purpose. And that purpose helps uh, uh, transform the situation so that we can keep on uh, showing love. It, it changed the perspective of ministry. Before, I was sort of just, okay, we're very good at healthcare. Uh, we do eye surgeries, we do this, and that's what we do. It's shifted. Now, our main intention always is to share real love, is to share the gospel of God, to, to, to bring the God's love to where we are. And the medical part is just the way we do it. So the emphasis is not the, the, the medical, it's, it's what we do through the medical to reach people's hearts. That's why I remember, I think you noticed the story of, of how this influenced, for example, Jimmy. This, this guy that had a huge, huge tumor in this part, it was like the size, basically a little bit bigger than the basketball. And when I saw the picture, I said, no, he's a goner. I don't think we can, we can do anything. That's Juan Allen's, that was Juan Allen's first reaction without real love being present. Because I said, no. Nah. But he was a, the, a pastor's brother. And he kept sort of telling me, telling me. And I was like, one day I was sitting with Leona and I said, I think he wants us to help. And she said, well, you know what you have to do. And I started like answering back the financial part. But going to Iquitos... That would be like 320 gallons of gas. That would be so much money. I don't know if we can do it. But what, what happens? Real life transforms, and we did it. We took one of the boats, Survivor, that people here have helped us to keep on, as, as we say, on its edge. That boat took Jimmy 12 hours upriver so that he could get surgery. And we arrived to that village, to Iquitos, and nobody wanted to receive him. And on the other hand, it's a long story, but I'll keep it short. Our boat got confiscated by the government because for some reason, we had entered Peruvian waters, waters without authorization. So Jimmy was on the street. We had no boat. And I texted back Leonor. And I said, Leonor, we are in this situation. And she said, wow, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and... She mentioned to a person that was with her, she said, Juan Allen is in Iquitos, and he's having this situation. And that person said to another person, and that person said, oh, I have a doctor friend in Iquitos. He called that doctor. That doctor, like about midnight, called me and I said, I know, I know that you have a situation with a person. Yes, said, I have this situation. Okay, I'll be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Sure enough, he was there at 7 o'clock in the morning. He saw the patient, and he said, I know where to take him. And by 3 p.m., Jimmy was in his bed without a tumor. Wow. That's how real love transforms people that are around it. It transformed me, helped me to make a decision, transformed the opportunity for Jimmy, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's transforming. Uh, I could go me. on and on with other stories, but yeah. now you did get the boat back, by the way. Oh yeah, they were asking us for roughly a fine, but it wasn't a fine. They were asking us for under the table money. It was basically the equivalent of twelve thousand dollars, and I said no, 
We were stranded there for three days. The money was running out, and I told the guy, okay, I'm going to go to the Central Park, and we're going to sleep there. And I'm going to post every hour how the hospitality of Iquitos is with us after bringing a Peruvian um, person to, to be helped here. And he, the, the naval officer called back and said, look, get your boat out and put it there in the dock. And I said, but if you don't give us a permission, we can't leave. He said, get your boat out and get out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I understood because he basically said, the way you came in, just get out. And we did that. Yep. We left like five o'clock in the morning. And this is another part. Uh, the boat, we went really good. And I arrived at, at Leticia. We were all happy. I arrived at home and I was uh, with the devotional with the family. And we started to, to, to sing How Great Is Our God. Hmm. And I was singing that. When I started to receive photos of the boat and the motor, and I start, what's happening? And I saw the, the, the transmission of the motor, which is goes the part that goes under the water, all broken. I'm like, what? I stopped singing because this is not good, Lord. And, and, I, <laughs> and, and, I really got, and I really got mad. I really got mad because I said, we did all this, and why do we have this problem? Because fixing that, when I saw it, I said that would cost around eight to nine thousand dollars. And I saw that and I said, I was really mad. Then, as you know, my wife kept on singing and the family kept on singing. And then it sort of dawned on me. And I said, Juan, it's never about you. It's about real love. It's about what, it's, it's God's glory. It's not what you did. And then we understood that those, what happened to the motor, are victory scars. Just to remind us that it's about real love. It's about God. It's not about the infrastructure it's not about what we have but it's it's about so we were able to fix a motor it only cost about three hundred dollars to fix it but it has its scars and i like those scars because it reminds us it's about him and it's not about us that's really good well i i hope that this was helpful for you to get to know uh one allen a little bit and and i think that you recognize that uh, this isn't just a, a nonprofit ministry that exists in Colombia that we somehow partner with. This is uh, a connection. This is an extension, really, of Lifehouse. And, and although there's other organizations that work with one on, there's really no other church that is connected to MMI Colombia and with Juan, Juan Allen and Leonor uh, like we are. There, actually, there, there is no other church. Uh, and so I, I tell that to you uh, not to put pressure on us to, to, to make sure that they're taken care of, but I really tell that to you because I, I really want you to hear the language that's coming out of his mouth that, that when we say we're connecting people to real love and real life to make a difference, that, that's, that's not just a pithy statement, it's not just a mission statement that's on a wall somewhere or on, on a card or on a, you know, anything along those lines. This is the reality of who we are. And when we connect people to the real love of Christ, it changes everything. It changes everything. 
And, and that doesn't happen just in the gathering that we have here, or it doesn't happen just by watching online. It happens when we go into our life circle and we begin to not just attract people, uh, but we influence them and we get to see life transformation take place in their lives. And, uh, and whether that's here in San Antonio, in your life circle, whether it's wherever you're watching online, or whether it's on the Amazon in Colombia. For the record, I've uh, had the privilege to go to the Amazon. I'm, my goal is to get my wife down there uh, at some point. And, uh, but when I went, uh, this was years and years ago, uh, before they had any hotels that you could stay in, and I stayed in a tent on a concrete floor uh, in the middle of the jungle. And uh, when we were talking about that we are the aroma of Christ, I did not take a shower for three days because... And if you know me, uh, that is not me. But I didn't do it because every part of my body was covered because I did not want mosquito bites. I did not want bug bites. I was terrified. Uh, but you should go. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I figured I can do, after that time in three days, I was like, I can do anything for three days. Anything. Uh, maybe not eat anything, uh, but I can do anything. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to serve alongside Juan Allen, and uh, our relationship is not just ministry, it's friendship. Uh, we have coming up at the end of November, uh, we are going to be presenting, Pastor Jay is going to be presenting an opportunity for all of us, Lifehouse Church, and we are actually, um, Pastor Jay is doing a great job in pulling in other churches because what we're about to embark on is bigger than anything that we can do alone, but it's not bigger than God. And every year we do a Make a Difference offering. And this year our Make a Difference offering is going to be focused on one project in particular that has to do with uh, MMI Columbia. And we're not going to tell you what it is. You have to come back at the end of November and you got to hear about it. And it's, it's, this is a huge, huge undertaking. We have people who are putting up some matching funds for this. And we have other churches who are going to partner and contribute to this. But we believe that we're going to be able to make a huge difference uh, for medical care. But not just medical care and bringing physical healing, but bringing spiritual healing. The, the project that he talked about where Leonor had to charter a plane. It's a Russian plane. Previously, like two weeks prior, the plane that they were using crashed, and, uh, and then they got another plane, a Russian plane, and they're taking that. It's a cargo plane, and they have to take that to a village that you've heard us talk about it. The name of the village is the river that God forgot. When they arrived there, they reminded them that God did not forget them and that this village has never heard the gospel presented to them. This is an unreached people group. And MMI Columbia has the opportunity, well, they've had the opportunity mm -hmm. to bring the message of Jesus to a place that's never heard the gospel. And these, this is the kind of stuff that if you ever told me that we would have the ability as a, as a smaller church to influence unreached people groups, I would have said, you're crazy. But here we are, Lifehouse Church, having the opportunity to take the message to places that have never heard about Jesus. One, one quick thing there, that you're talking about unreached groups. We're working on two rivers. The first one, uh, the river that God forgot, which is the Igarapadana. Then there's the other river, which is called the Devil's Paradise. And that's, that's the name of the other river. And about reaching the, the unreached, we were able to get to a village where 
the indigenous are really, really indigenous. But we're trying to get to another part where a few years ago an American missionary went and he tried to get in, he set up cameras in the jungle, he had told the, the, his contacts that he was trying to, uh, how do you say, record wildlife, but he was trying to record these people. Uh, because it's a group that has not been reached before, they're called the Bigfoot of the Tikunas, they have never been reached before by neither the government nor by any other organization. They're really out there on their own. So he was trying to contact them. They found out and he got kicked out because he wasn't trying to really uh, record wildlife. He was trying to record them and find them. With Real Love, with the medical projects, we're, we're confident that at some point, I hope that's my dream, that we will be able to have the invitation because we already have the person that knows them. He's working with us so that he can say, Juan, let's go to these people. That's like my dream. Mm, that's awesome. Well, typically we end our service with, uh, with a worship song, and uh, we've gone a little bit long, which is okay. Um, it's, uh, don't, yeah, don't be disappointed. I think this is, I mean, how often do we actually get you here live in the flesh and uh, you're online? Amazonas presente. What's that? My phrase on, on the live stream is Amazonas presente. Yes, Amazon, Amazon presents. He's on live stream all the time. Uh, he's actually one of the only ones that's interacting online, so please engage with us online, engage with Juan Allen online. And uh, I want us, though, to, um, to put up the lyrics to the, to the song. Can we do that? Uh, it, the name of the song is Make Room, and, uh, and I, I can we do that? Uh, just kind of flip through there. Um, Here's why, where I lay it down, every burden, every crown, this is my surrender, this is my surrender. Uh, keep going. Here's where, yep, keep going. Every lie, every doubt, this is my surrender. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. That's a, that's a pretty bold, audacious statement. That when we give God permission to do whatever he wants to do, it means we better be ready for him to do that. And as we go from this place and we live in our life circle and we sing these kinds of lyrics where we say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to do whatever you want. To, I, I want you to do whatever you want to do through me in my life. He's going to create opportunities for us to see people differently. There's neighbors in your community that need Jesus. And when we bring real love and real life to them, it does make a difference in their world. Uh, it's no secret that tonight is Halloween. And uh, we could look at tonight being uh, a very dark night. I know that people have all kinds of different perspectives on this. And I will just tell you that uh, origin-wise and stuff like that, it's really, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't come from a great place. But here's what we can do. We can go into our communities tonight if your community's having gatherings or doing stuff together, and we can be real love and real life in the midst of that. We, we're inviting our neighborhood. Honestly, we haven't had a chance to meet a lot of our neighbors. It seems like every time they're doing something, it's when we're here. And tonight, we're inviting them to come and be a part of, of something that we're doing. And, and, 
it's not to celebrate the night. It's really to just get to know people and to build relationships with people, even though they may think differently, act differently. Maybe they, they, are, they vote differently than us, whatever. We are there to build relationships with people because when we connect people to real love and real life, whether they are in the Amazon River or they're in Promontory Point, we are connecting people to real love and real life so that we can make a difference in their life, so that God can make a difference in their life. Good?